is up, ladies and gentlemen. The Hardcore Strong Style Coalition podcast returns once again after a somewhat lengthy hiatus. Um, we do apologize profusely for that. It's uh, one of those things called life. Uh, but before anything else, uh, you are hearing Cosmic Kaiser 6, and I'm joined once again by the ever hospitable, ever ready to throw down Heracles. Good day to you, sir. Absolutely. What's up? Uh, obviously not much else, really. Um, life, work, wrestling, well, in particular, Prudas, but, you know, we all know that's what we're all about up here in the HSC uh, podcast. Um, what have you been up to lately, man? Uh, just been watching mostly anything that hasn't been the G1 because, you know, it's only been about a month since the tournament ended uh whoops anyway yeah no <laughs> i've been seeing what's been going on outside of japan it's been all right in some areas some other areas i like to live in blissful ignorance of but you mm. know yeah yeah I, I i totally get it uh a few upstart promotions here and there one in particular that seems to be doing okay but definitely could be doing better in some other uh, aspects um but that's a conversation for another time. We are a here. Conversation, ladies- if you don't mind me cutting off, I think um, Ruben Prime covered that on his podcast. If you want to hear about it, so give him a listen for his thoughts. You are quite correct. I, how how could I be so disingenuous? Uh, yes, again, this is the Hardcore Strong Style Coalition podcast presented by Ruben Prime TV, and he did indeed include an episode focused on All Out. Uh, in degree, in part. Uh, so please give that a listen and then hear his thoughts on how all that went down. And uh, now that we've saved ourselves from cancellation, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, tugging at the coat there, saying, "Hey, don't fuck this up," right? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But uh, yes, we are back to talk about the aftermath of the G1 Climax 2019. And by God, what a tournament it was, man. I don't. I know we talked about it to a, uh, a bit of a lengthier than needed degree in the previous uh, episode. We had, we both can admit it was a bit on the lengthy side. Um, but what else can we say? It's in the books right now, and what we have seen, it was nothing short of great stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can agree. Absolutely, considering I watched every show from start to finish. Jesus, man! Like I, I, it's ama- I'm amazed that you were able to. Uh, admittedly, I did fall a bit behind. Well, a lot behind. Uh, <laughs> and so I kind of, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I'm trying to save face here. Um, but essentially, I had to run through a good majority of the, uh, well, pretty much the remainder of the tournament uh, from the block matches. I couldn't really stick to watching ever the entire. Uh, the entire events from start to finish the block events were um the block matches were a bit more priority in this case and rightfully so because there was so much to go through in a good way of course nothing to you know nothing disingenuous in that meaning okay. uh that said yes um uh, as everyone is likely aware of at this point well over a month and removed from it uh kota ibushi in the a block decimated uh the a block on his way up and pretty much not, uh, proved that 
when he's given a good contract, he can fucking go. Not that he couldn't before, but clearly New Japan has plans for this man now. Yeah, a lot changes when you get someone to commit. So good on mm-hmm. Ibushi. Very good for sure. Uh, and I know his uh, status was kind of up in the air for a good minute before then with a certain someone uh, that he's very close to uh, who probably may have influenced his decision or may have been a factor to his decisions uh, from there. Who knows? Point is, he is here. He is winning. He is the winner of the G1. Uh, and rightfully so, despite my chagrin for the person who lost, uh, the one and only Yeezy Switchblade J Whitebread. I mean, Switchblade J White. Uh, yes, he- so if you were expecting um, a non-spoiler show, this probably isn't it. Yeah. Again, we're a month removed. At this point, a lot of us are should be somewhat in the know about what the, the hell happened. Because, I mean, yeah. we're already in, like, the uh, seasons with uh, – what's the next event coming up uh, soon? Right now, we're in the midst of the Destruction Tour leading up to mm-hmm. King of Pro Wrestling in October. Yes, If you don't yes. know who won the G1 by now, um, you should probably stop living under a rock or in Connecticut. Yeah, or at the very least, sub to New Japan World and give yourself a bit of a refresher course. Remember, it's only uh, $9.99 – well, $9.99 yen – more precisely. Which is less than $9.99 US a month. Uh, arguably, you know? yes. Yeah, exchange yeah, yeah. rate. Yeah. Um, but yes. Anyway, what a tournament. Uh, the finals were definitely a very eventful night. Uh, a lot has happened. Aside from Ibushi winning the tournament, not definitely not in a uh, predictable way, because in a sort of familiar way where it was a good feeling it was, it was a good ending to uh what was a very tumultuous uh tournament amongst everything there was a very very interesting turn of events in the form of kenta turning to the bullet club absolutely like you would think that the guy that won the tournament would be the uh big news item no, it was um the guy that once called himself Hideo Itami. No, he stole mm. the spotlight and broke a few hearts along the way. Well, not well. How many hearts did he did he have to break? Uh, the majority of the tournament, the dude was being booed to high hell. Well, I mean, not like heel heat, but just like very. Uh, from what I understand, um, from other sources I've listened to. A lot of other fans in, in Japan, in particular, were actually very much uh, in rejection of Kenta being in the G1 in the first place. You know, comments claiming that he was, you know, doesn't belong, that he's too slow, that he's too boring, things like that. And I feel like this heel turn or this proper placement within the New Japan system as a part of a proper stable um, works for him. Especially one where he has some legitimate history with uh, Prince Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor. I mean, for one, it absolutely makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is a guy who's been on a worldwide stage joining a stable with worldwide appeal. It really just it works. Yep. Comes down to a, to a major science and. You know, color me surprised still because I really wasn't expecting it anyway. 
But I don't think anybody was expecting what came afterwards with uh, Shibata coming out and absolutely laying waste to him uh, to a degree uh, and to a very well-received massive pop at uh, Budokan that night. Yeah, the Budokan came unglued. Shibata's had a spot there for the last three years now, but the ovation he got here was way larger than that or the year before. Undeniably so. It, it clearly shows just how much uh, people m- probably miss uh, what he contributed to the New Japan ring and his style and, and, and I guess his sort of uh, stoic charm that you know won him over after the time that he spent away doing other things, being be it at Noah and doing his MMA stuff uh, for a bit. It's interesting, and I wonder where that's going to take things down the line. Like I, I'm pretty sure uh, I'm pretty sure Shibata is still very much sidelined. There's been pretty much no change in his health in that regard. So we're likely not going to see any kind of match between himself and Kenta anytime soon. Definitely not anytime soon. So I worry for where they're going to take this buildup of heat that Kenta now has after, you know, not only taking the brunt of a, uh, of this assault from uh, of a vengeful Shibata, but now, you know, sort of taking that momentum and really, really sort of yucking it up in front of all the new Japan fans that uh, didn't appreciate him being there in the first place. Yeah. Like, like I'd said earlier, it just works. And now they actually have a reason to hate him. So, I would love to see what Kenta does with this. As for Shibata, there's been a lot of teasing that maybe he may just come out of retirement, but for health reasons, that's obviously not in the cards, no matter how hard New Japan teases it. That said, I'm going to hold out a tinge of hope. Mm, That's fair. I mean, you look at one Brian Danielson elsewhere in the world. Uh, you know, he had his uh, concussion scare some years ago and managed to somehow get back into the ring uh, where he currently is. And, you know, he's still going somehow, still going really well, as a matter of fact. Uh, probably the best that he's been in a while. So it there is a precedent of, uh, you know, return from that scary place. Hopefully... Myself and and of course you have just uh, just expressed. Hopefully Shibata can make a turn, or hopefully he's given the opportunity to really make that uh, health turn and come back into the ring and relieve the people what they've been wanting for a long time now. Absolutely, because he's not the only one that's been waiting to get the go ahead from New Japan. We still miss you, Hiromu. Ah, yes, indeed. Hiromu Takahashi still out, and he was projected to come back with uh, at least a year from now. So we're definitely well over that uh, that time frame. Uh, thankfully, he's still keeping active, at least on social media. Uh, you know, keeping his engagement there, and his stock still seems to be alive in in other places. Uh, Lij is definitely still going strong despite everything. So I'm I'm quite happy for all that anyway. Man, and we're, if we're going to talk about uh, insane stuff still, let's talk about the absolute massive. Well, actually, you know what? Before we go into that uh, topic, which will, you know, uh, which I'm sure you probably could already tell from the tone of my voice, what do you think will happen with Kenta come Wrestle Kingdom? 
do you see anybody stepping up to him by then or, you know, say come uh, wrestle, uh, king of pro wrestling or some other um, or something else along the way that will likely build towards Wrestle Kingdom? Because I feel like Kenta needs to do something by Wrestle Kingdom to really establish himself as a part of the New Japan. Obviously, the Bullet Club turn did help quite a bit, but that has to go somewhere. If not Shibata, then who is he, who is going to either uh, knock him down a few pegs or be the one to be the sacrificial lamb to Kenta's growing uh, malevolence? Well, without spoiling it, we do at least see a path Kenta has right now. We'll talk about that in another episode, but he may not be clear who he'll face, but he has, to put it mildly, something people may want. So he's got mm. something. Someone just needs to, you know, step up. Like That's as fine as observation as one can place without letting it all out. So we'll, we'll take that. Um, that said, we'll now go into another topic, which I've personally dreaded for a good minute now, ever since the uh, tournament ended, largely because... It was it was both my favorite and not my favorite part of the tournament. One very sly producer man in the name of Yano Toru hmm, managed to steal many big wins uh, throughout the throughout the throughout his tournament run. A lot of them were rather prolific, including Tetsuya Naito, uh, amongst others. And one in particular that really, really uh, left an impression. Uh, his uh, very startling win over one John Moxley. How did you feel about Yano's run throughout this uh, year's tournament? It was probably the best run he's had since I watched. Probably the best run he's had in a long time. He beat three of New Japan's top heavyweights in one tournament. Not a lot can say that of you for sure. Um, interestingly enough, I, I know you and I kind of joked about it in the last episode where we, uh, predicted things for this tournament. I believe you coined the term, uh, shoot fight Yano in this case. And by God, in the, like the last two, three tournament days, you know, excluding the final, I gotta say that version of Yano really left me agape. I was not expecting him to to steer away from the from the comedy stuff even for a moment but he pulled out some actually decent some decent wrestling holds some suplexes and some moves and throws and things like that and it was like whoa what the fuck where was this where was this yano whoa i i really had no other words but whoa really so wait really it's jarring if you're someone who hasn't who didn't get to watch in say 2000 like between from 2008 to 2000, I don't know, 12, 13. I gotta admit, I wasn't watching then either, obviously. Mm. Yano was a very different character from what he is now, to say the least. Quite true. Uh, as a lot of the more uh, tailored New Japan fans know, uh, Yano, Toru Yano does have a legitimate history in amateur wrestling. He, uh, when he came into New Japan, he did largely adopt a very, very, uh, or at least very early on, he adopted a very, um, very aggressive uh, heel behavior. Or at least that's where 
the most memorable part of his early run was when I believe he joined Chaos. He was in Great Bash Shield, I believe, at one point, and then he betrayed them and moved with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura into Chaos. And at that time, he was very ruthless, uh, and he was definitely much more of a powder keg sort of character where you pretty much were not safe around him. But obviously... Absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Obviously, anybody that got into uh, New Japan, like ourselves, maybe like in the latter, like 2010s, or in the, somewhere in the 2010s, earlier, mid to current 2010s and whatnot, uh, is more familiar with his more uh, semi-charming, semi-annoying, semi-what-the-fuck-is-he-doing uh, comedic shticks that permeate his character nowadays. So I can only imagine how refreshing it was and how... Um, perplexing i guess it was to see yano really go the straight the <laughs> i don't want to say the straight path but um definitely go the route of the wrestler once again and um i gotta say well i think it was i think he one of his later matches was was against uh hiroki goto uh correct me if i'm wrong but he had a match i think like in the, in the second to last night or the third to last night of the tournament that really exemplified what a real uh, focused and non-comedic uh, Toriano can be for those that may have forgotten. Um, was that uh, against Hiroki Goto later on, if you recall? That was actually against Tomohiro Ishii, which should not be a surprise. Yeah, you're right. It was against Ishii. My apologies. Okay. That, yes, you know what? I remember now, right, because I remember I was watching the... Uh, block matches and catching up and i remember texting you um and i was like oh my god he knocked down ishii the same ishii that barely gets knocked down by anybody else that isn't probably a, a legacy chaos member or a legacy njpw roster member like what like i lost my shit see that's the thing people don't really realize how deep a history ishii and yano have they've been working together for well over 10 years between gbh and chaos so if there's anyone that knows what makes ishi tick believe it or not it's toruyano definitely man and if that match wasn't proof of that i don't know what else it could have been <clears throat> suffice it to say it was damn good showing um who do you think was the well i'm pretty sure we're both going to be in agreement but as far as like the breakout star of this tournament and, and stop me if you've heard this name before lance archer it rings a bell yeah <laughs> i figured but yeah man undoubtedly lance archer has got to have pulled out some of the most insane spots for a guy of his build age and and uh wrestling uh acumen because Let's all not forget his tag team exploits primarily as part of Killer Elite Squad with Davey Boy Smith Jr. R.I.P. Yeah, we're R.I.P. for that. And look at that from years ago. And look at what he was doing this year as a solo guy. Keeping the Suzuki-gun style alive and knocking down and beating the crap out of the Young Lions Almost every time he did an entrance. And he pretty much did every night, whether he won or not, now that I think about it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Dude was surprising. He was doing all kinds of crazy shit. Fucking cannonballs off the aprons. Top rope 
uh, old school walks, basically, like, like the stuff that the uh, that old Mark Calloway used to do. Yep. And axe handles from 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 the jumps off of the top rope. But we're talking moon salts, even fucking moon salts. You would not think he had back surgery the way he performed in the G1. Right? Like at a at a glance, I never would have known he would have had back surgery anyway, given all the all the tattoos he has on his back. But that's you know that's just me being a casual, filthy casual. All the same, it's it's amazing to see the human human potential. Like people can say what they will about scholars and professors and 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 and, and you know. Uh, Academic researchers and everything else in between involving, uh, you know, learning of the, of the mind and expansion of the mind. But to see someone fully exercise both their mind and their body at the same time, I mean, it, it's probably not the best, uh, <laughs> not the best um, idiom to use in this case. But I feel like Lance Archer, uh, again, this guy's in his like late 40s, right? Um, late thirties, early forties, somewhere within that range. Basically, okay. his better years might be behind him, but they also might be right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Like, if 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 this tournament showing wasn't proof that his stock could go higher, I don't know what else is gonna be. Like, I don't know. I he's obviously not gonna be uh, IWGP Heavyweight Champion anytime soon. When you got guys like Okada uh, still at the reins and you know, as young as he is, uh, but I gotta say, Lance Archer is really showing that he could definitely be a really good upper mid card guy for something like New Japan. As far as maybe something in the states, he could be a really good uh, main eventer if he's not already. The way I look at it, with as many singles titles as New Japan has right now. There's got to be a spot for Archer. Like, he could at least challenge for the U.S. title. Very good point. Um, Right now, who's holding the U.S.? Right, um, John Moxley's holding it. Jeez, oh, that's already a great match in the making right there. I mean, oh, I know they yeah. were both in... Yeah, they were both in separate blocks in, in the tournament, but imagine. Imagine yep. that. Oh, yeah. And that would be fantastic. Yeah, and, like, the way Moxley likes to perform, Archer can roll with that. So, that would mm-hmm. be good. For sure, and I'm sure uh, Japan would eat that shit up. Right, and uh, speaking of John Moxley... Yes. Oh, uh, yes. whoa. <laughs> yeah, just uh, whoa. Yeah, whoa indeed. What a run this man had. Uh, dude was practically steamrolling his way through the competition in, in uh, B Block uh, for a good majority of it, of course. But regardless... Very memorable run on on his end. Talk about a guy who really turned the dime on his career. Really turned pretty much everything inside out from what he was before. Absolutely. Like, you did not realize that this is what he could really do. And he got to let loose. And uh, he let all the way loose in this G1. Like, just, I can only say wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's perplexing that he got the wins that he got from the few from the kinds of wrestlers that he did get wins over um so far i remember that he lost to switchblade and um yano uh i think he pretty much won against almost everybody else in the block if i if i'm not uh, incorrect there okay he started off with wins over taichi 
Mm-hmm. He beat Takagi. Yes. He beat Naito. Yeah. He beat Ishii, in which that was a five-star match. Oh, my God. Yes, that match was fan-fucking-tastic. And he beat Jeff Cobb. Okay, and he pretty much lost to anybody else that was in that uh Yes, he felt right. He fell to Yano. I'm just gonna say watch the match. It's just watch the match. That's all yeah. I can say about it. Watch it it watch absolutely, Yano versus Moxley. Yeah, we, we can't do it justice. You gotta watch it. It is a form of art in and of itself. Uh jeez. Admittedly, that was the only Yano win that I was legitimately like good feeling about afterwards. I was like, wow, that was awesome. Meanwhile, all the other ones, I was like, fucking hell, Yano, what the hell, man? Arg. Yeah, the, the, uh, his fan base from his former name, they didn't take it too well to put it lightly, but never mind them. Anyway, yeah, yeah. he lost to Yano by count out. Switchblade mm-hmm. was the first to pin him. Yes. He fell to Goto. And his tournament ended with a loss to Juice Robinson. A very, uh, you, you could say, well-deserved loss against Juice. Um, speaking of Juice, what a showing. That man has been given absolutely major star treatment this entire run. Uh, fuck the losses. Any losses he took really meant nothing because he still came out of it with something uh, of worth. He... Definitely, I feel like he got much more over now than he probably has in 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 at least the past year and a half or so. He agreed. He had a much 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 better tournament than last year. It mm. kind of helps having two hands. Yeah. So yeah, just the change in attitude, the change in demeanor. His uh, no, not so much. He didn't really entertain the nonsense too much. He just did his work. He looked great in victory. Look great in defeat. In general, this indeed was the best that Juice Robinson has looked for some time now, and he's still getting better. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I really couldn't express it any better than how you just put it. Like the guy has just been elevated without a question. He's been elevated in this process, and they. Moxley was right. This G1 is absolutely the meat grinder of wrestling tournaments out there. Pure, real, pure, uh, unadulterated, unhinged pro wrestling. Never mind death matches or any stuff like that. Those are obviously, you know, that's all spectacle stuff. When we when we get down to the nitty gritty, and you want to tell a, a really good story and 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 one very engaging story, it it doesn't take and it doesn't really need very many weapons if only a few those few really should just still be your fists and um juice i want to say really put those fists to use no pun intended i mean like you said he obviously had both hands available to him this time around um but not just in terms of his uh availability of hands uh in this run but I feel like he was finally able to kind of like I guess let loose a bit more. He um his his repertoire seems to have kind of expanded just a little bit more. He seems to be doing a few different more different things. Uh, he's expressing a bit a different character now with his more stoic presentation. 
Uh, obviously, he's still, you know, the flamboyant Juice Robinson. Hey, he still wears colorful clothing, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, but at the end of the day, he's business. He was very much business throughout this tournament, and you could see it. You could feel it, and it was pretty much cemented in when he uh, when he pinned uh, Moxley at the, at the semifinals. Exactly. It was a road to redemption, and it was capped off excellently with getting that win over Moxley. Because mm-hmm. you could kind of feel it coming, but it still just felt so good when he got it. Absolutely. I just I, I couldn't help but clap because, you know, he, he, he deserved that. It, it was a really well told story, I want to say. For those that, you know, care about the background of, of, of both wrestlers, really, in the, in the pre-John Moxley, uh, the pre-2019 John Moxley and the pre-Juice Robinson years, uh, where they went by other aliases. Uh, obviously, they each had their circumstances and everything like that, and New Japan was just the right platform to allow them to uh, present them evolving, I guess you could say. Right. You saw the growth in both, and it was great to see throughout the tournament, especially for Juice, because he's gotten a lot of flack over the years, but... This tournament, it felt like people finally turned the corner, and there are a lot more Juice Robinson fans now, after the tournament, than there were before the tournament, which is a beautiful thing to see. Oh, for sure. And for the record, growth in both, that's bars, brother. Right? <laughs> but then I figured you should you could have caught that, but yeah, whatever. It's all good. But yeah, um... Absolutely. Juice, uh, Juice Juice, and Mox are both great examples of what career uh, revampings can do uh, to someone. And let's not forget that, you know, he had his entourage there, uh, Moxley did, in, in the form of uh, Shooter Umino. My God. Yes, if, let's, um, let's ignore the, you know, child theft for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You didn't expect people to fall in love with a young lion, but... That's exactly what happened. Absolutely. Like, th- if there, if if there was a way that, if there was any other way to get the brass ring as a young lion, Umino Shota absolutely did by linking up with Moxley. And I believe his um his post match comments, I think, on the final after his uh, LA Dojo versus New Japan Dojo uh tag team match, pretty much said it right there. He you know teamed up with. Um, he joined up with Moxley to learn about professional wrestling from him. Someone who obviously Moxley is, you know, a world pedigree, uh, professional wrestler. He's won championships of the heavyweight caliber many times and in, in various places, the guy's well-traveled. And as a young student of this, of the pro wrestling lifestyle, Lumino needs to learn all he can and who better than Moxley. So good on him for, you know, latching on to for taking the opportunity to latch on to someone with a story like Moxley and good on him for doing so with Moxley of all people, because my goodness, f- you know, he doesn't really have to say much. Uh, Umino doesn't, but his time with Moxley has really proven that Umino can be a character. Yeah, it was the most entertaining a young lion's been because you don't really get much out of young lions because they're just learning just the black boots, the black tights, the overabundance of energy, always taking the L's. But no, Umino got to show some personality, and 
he made the most of it, to say the least. Absolutely. I really hope that there are people that understand how important this is. Because anybody who has been focusing on New Japan lately, or at least been watching New Japan, uh, can see that the way that they've uh, used the New Japan Lions, uh, the Young Lions, uh, you pretty much get a feel for a sort of, uh, m- much like the name Young Lions, they're, they're, they're cubs. They're cubs in the pro wrestling world, and in particular the Japanese pro wrestling world. So they're still growing. And so to see them uh, develop it the way that they are uh, and you know gain new personality quirks, new attire, new uh, wrinkles to, to their development, positive or negative wrinkles, however you want to look at it, it's very, it's very much a fun process to watch. In and of itself, it's it's its own kind of storytelling. Indeed, and especially with this current crop, you've seen them grow over the last two, three years so that you have that genuine attachment to them. So now I get why you see these young lions featured so prominently. It's Absolutely. like you're watching your own child grow. In a sense, yes, without all the uh, diaper changing and all the screaming. Well... The screaming is there, but at least it's for battle and not for I want ice cream or some shit. <laughs> well, battle or someone inflicting pain for their own pleasure. <laughs> mm, oh, boy. Well, speaking of uh, torturous attacks, um, you know, let's not forget about one uh, Suzuki Minoru. Kaze Ninare! Yeah, see... That was something that took people aback when the lineup for this tournament was announced. How do you have uh, such a premier wrestling tournament and Minoru Suzuki somehow manages to not be in it? Yeah. How do you pull that off? Easy. You have have the G1 Climax 2019. (laughs) And put him on the tour just to rub it in. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, you didn't think he'd be a compelling character outside of the tournament? Ooh, boy, was I wrong. No, no, no. He was still entertaining despite not being in the tournament. Exactly. And of course, there's how he ended the tournament. Yeah. Leading into a Royal Quest, which happened not too long ago, where he challenged Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yes. Um, he managed to do something that only... Two other people in the tournament did, and he himself wasn't even in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe if he's still around next year, let's uh, let's actually just put him in the tournament next year. That'd be smart. Though I got to say, because of the way this tournament turned out, it's not like he needs the tournament. It's a good uh, platform for him to, you know, express his character further for sure. Because let's be honest. Minoru Suzuki is storied beyond belief. The man is a pioneer in mixed martial arts, uh, is absolutely a, a, a well-traveled professional wrestler, and obviously a uh, successful businessman in his own right with his own store and all that and, and all his merchandise and Suzuki-gun Ichiban. But you know, he doesn't really need it. He, he doesn't need a G1 win, and I don't know if he's ever won the tournament before, but I, I actually know he hasn't, uh, now that I think about it. He hasn't ever won the tournament before. Nope. He doesn't need to. It's 
likely not going to happen anytime in in probably in his lifetime at this point. But Unless he does enter the tournaments and everyone gets food poisoning. That <laughs> oh, man, really? Hey, uh, he said it. Shit, you're right. He did say that. One can only hope that somebody knocks some sense into. Oh, uh, never mind. I was stop. I thought right there. Knocks yeah, some sense I don't think you should finish that. Impossible. Oh, and you finished it anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Like the, the the thought hit me, but I'm just like, nah. The thought will hit me, but he'll hit harder. So let's not even bother entertaining it anyway. But yeah, in general, the whole twenty man field, no matter well. I've got my opinions on a certain few, but let's not be negative. Everyone really brought their A game to this year's G1, and it was probably the most entertaining G1 I've seen yet. And you wonder how they're going to top it next year? With next year being G1 Climax 30? Uh, they'll think of something. They usually do. For sure. You know what? Let, let's just talk about that even for just like a, slow, for a, a slight bit, uh, the point that you were looking to uh, touch upon real quick. Let's for, not forget that this year in particular saw the absence of various G1 regulars uh, that are largely there to just sort of pad out the, the brackets. You know, like a lot of the legacy guys like Kojima, uh, Nakanishi, uh, Tamatonga. Um, Yoshihashi, uh, you know, uh, guys like those who tend to not place high overall anyway, but are still there for the participation aspect of it. But, you know, you take those guys out of the, out of the equation and you put entirely new, fresher faces all together and you have a much more exciting product. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's exactly what happened. They removed the guys who usually don't perform as well and just made a whole quality tournament, right? So your guys like uh, Nakanishi and Kojima you mentioned, they're those New Japan dads. So their time in the G1 has come and gone. So mm -hmm. you're not really losing much from them. Tama Tonga, bless the, bless the man's heart, he asked to not be entered into this year's tournament right i mean he said because he's a tag team guy which he is but i mean story-wise considering how he acted last year why should he even be in the tournament quite true the last year was a very tumultuous year in the bullet club's uh history and obviously the tongans didn't handle things very well <laughs> so yeah so but excusing himself makes it better, so that's fine, I guess. Yoshihashi, yeah. oh, it's mm. frustrating talking about him. He's got the heart, but you've got to call a spade a spade. He's shown nothing since returning to really warrant being in this year's G1 anyway, so you really right. didn't lose anything of value in losing Yoshihashi. At all. And the other big name that was missing from this year's tournament was Togi Makabe. But again, he's another one who, especially these last few years, he doesn't really add much to the tournament. So not only was he not even in the tournament, he wasn't even on the tour for the tournament. So, yeah, you really didn't lose anything in losing Togi Makabe. Like, as a performer... I've turned the corner on him. He's as good as everyone else, but he 
doesn't have much of a place in the G1 these days. Right. And that's not his fault, really. It's just a case of time. It's just, you know, his, uh, his, his time has passed. And yeah. realistically speaking, what else are, can you do on that platform that uh, your age will allow? Especially for something as grueling as the G1. Again, the meat grinder analogy comes to mind. Yeah, that's just the nature of the beast. He's up there in age. He's done everything there really is to do in New Japan. And he is a former G1 winner. He is a former IWGP heavyweight champion. Quite what, true. Th- yeah, what more does he have to prove? Same can definitely be said for Tenkozy as well. They've done just about everything that need to be done in the promotion. So uh, other than maybe coaching or just other promotional stuff on the side or even guest announcing like he's been doing a few times during the tour, uh, what else can really be done, right? Right, right. But most that, of them know their place, though. So, Which I appreciate. That's, that's something that I feel New Japan or hell, probably Japanese wrestling kind of has over the western world of uh professional wrestling as far as that goes because some people just kind of want to you know dip their hands and then in the pot and you know too many cooks basically basically yeah um but uh beyond that who else surprised you in this year's uh tournament aside from the people that we already mentioned who are two uh, at least if if not one other person then two people that probably uh took you by surprise by their uh results for me i'm going to say and it shouldn't be too big of a shock i'm going to throw a bone to tai chi i was just about i was I, i'm pretty much right there with you absolutely tai chi showed up showed out um and really made his debut a worthwhile one if I'm not sure what else I can really say that doesn't equate to sucking up to the guy in in, in its own way. But I mean, yeah, holy emperor, yada yada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if uh, if there was ever a, a a classic heel that needed a good platform or or was given a good platform to stretch his heel muscles, not actual heel muscles, but you know, heelish muscles. Tai Chi was definitely a fantastic choice, and he proved that he could go for this. Yeah, he played his role to a T. He was the perfect, just scumbag heel. Mm-hmm. He, you could tell he was not going to get too many wins. He just got the wins he needed to get. Right. Absolutely, and you know, I'm sure uh, if Tama Tonga hadn't asked for his uh omitting his his, uh, absence from the G1, he probably would have been in Tai Chi's spot in some capacity. But this is probably a really good thing that Tama did ask for his his, his, uh, leave for that. Because if not, how else would we have known about the brilliance of this holy emperor? (laughs) Yeah, especially his last match of the tournament against Ishii. That's the Tai Chi I want to see more often. Oh my goodness, yes. That was probably the most focused Tai Chi, the most uh, focused, really, is the only other word that comes to mind. And uh, I guess the most, the the Tai Chi with the most in-ring tenacity, you could say, outside uh, outside of his cheap tricks, 
he was definitely showing that his pedigree in, in, in Noah was not a waste. I mean, they call him Dangerous T for a reason. His match with Ishii, surprise, surprise, brought mm. the best out of him. For sure. And it, it, it says a lot about Ishii's capabilities as an opponent uh, in those kinds of situations, but it also does kind of hinder Ishii in terms of his uh, rise in uh, roster-wise, I want to say, because I know there's a lot of people out there that really want to see Ishii wear the heavyweight uh, championship at some point. Um, I'm one of them. I will not hide that. I would like to see that. I mean, I'm, I'm not... Uh, not that I'm not a huge fan of of, of Ishii. I, I definitely appreciate what he does, and I feel like he's definitely one of the better guys there. I'm just not super familiar with his uh, backstory and all that, so I couldn't really say that, like, oh, I really want to see Ishii there because I'm, you know, super uh, uh, into it. Um, but, I don't know, maybe I'm contradicting myself. Point is, uh, I would like to see Ishii be a champion. I'm just not clamoring for it the way that I was clamoring for uh, either Switchblade to win the tournament or for Tetsuya Naito to eventually become a double champion, which uh, that still is also in the air now uh, with him facing Jay White, uh, I believe, in during the Destruction Tour or in King of Pro Wrestling? Which is that it, actually? will be during the Destruction Tour. Okay, and that's probably going to be happening in a couple of weeks or so, right? About a week or two. Okay, cool, cool. From when we are recording this in about a mm. week or two. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Um, but yeah, um, absolutely. Taichi, hands down, another great surprise uh, showing. Uh, who else uh, would you say changed your view of them as a result of this showing this year? I mean, it, see, past Taichi, it's hard to say because... Everyone was just, mostly everyone was just so good in their roles. Mm. I'm just, I'm trying to avoid being negative because I'm sure you could tell who I think disappointed in this tournament. But I don't want to be negative. So that I'm going to keep off. But um, just basically, everyone did really well. I mean, if you want to mention someone whose results were shocking... Uh, let's say Zack Sabre Jr., a.k.a. Tournament Master, just not this time. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a very interesting uh, change of pace for someone like Zack Sabre, who had pretty much built himself up to be one of the stamina monsters, if not the stamina monster of Suzuki-gun. Uh, and, to, uh, and, and to have this poor showing in this year's tournament, it had to happen for uh, for some reason. Thankfully, his post-match comments uh, went into a good reason on there, on a, on a more political level. Obviously, with the Brexit stuff going on elsewhere in the uh, in the UK, that uh, definitely provided some good laughs for that. One, two, Sonic three. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. His post-match commentary—that's that's golden. Just always watch a Zack Saber Jr. post-match interview. Always. I mean, he performed great in the tournament. Otherwise, you just didn't really expect him to uh, be among the first competitors out. Yeah, absolutely. That was a bit of a shocker when you consider what he's about and what his uh, pre- what his acumen would entail. But 
again, it, it, it pretty much resulted in its own form of gold and all the post-match stuff, uh, which is still fine in its own right. He did get some good wins anyway. Uh, he did beat uh, Will Ospreay in what I personally believe was one of the better, one of the best matches of the entire tournament. It truly was. It was a nice display of British wrestling. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, the more skilled competitor there won, no disrespect to Osprey, but ZSJ has been doing this long enough that it's hard for me to see him not beating Osprey. For sure. Like, if if Marty Skrull isn't going to be Osprey's faded, uh, faded rival anymore with his... Uh, with his focus on Ring of Honor and his other stuff with um, with Villain Enterprises there, uh, then Zack Sabre Jr. is just as much a good uh, a good foil now that Osprey is full time New Japan. Absolutely. If there's anyone we haven't mentioned, it doesn't mean that they did bad. Just everyone really had a great tournament, and if we could talk about all 20 competitors, believe me, we would. But I mean, you know, time. Exactly, and we already talked everybody's ears off about the individual nights on the previous one, and we kind of don't want to turn that into dead air this time around, or you know, provide you know padding, so to speak. So uh, we're trying to be a bit more mindful of that. Long story short, we definitely feel that the, this year's tournament was very strong. Uh, a lot of the competitors really. Uh, went balls to the wall, for lack of a better expression. Uh, even the lower-placing guys like Bad Luck Fale and uh, Evil and uh, and uh, Lance Archer and all them, they had their roles to play at the end of the day. So everything Just was... quick correction, Evil actually finished, I think, third in A block. My apologies. I totally... <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's because Evil... Uh, honestly... And then and, and this is going to be a bit telling of, of, of uh, my focus on the tournament. But uh, I, I, despite his point placement, for me, Evil kind of fell on the wayside this year. I, I could, I, I don't know why that is, but in my mind's eye, um, I don't feel like the majority of his matches uh, pulled me in as much. But that's, you know, that that's just in terms of... Uh, how should I put it? Um, I don't know. Some, something fell off for me. Maybe it's just because I was watching a lot of the the, the remaining block matches back to back, and some of the stuff kind of got lost in, in in the trenches and all that. But um, something about this year's evil uh, performance wasn't super memorable, except for his match against Sonata, which I will admit was really good. If not for the story reasons, then at least for the display that they put on. I mean that's a fair assessment. I won't I won't counter it because I of course I am a fan of Evil as well, but um mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he underperformed. Not the least he just laid low, really. Yeah, like he didn't really do very much that was different. Um it was pretty much evil as we know him. And that's right. fine. That's perfectly fine, and it's nothing wrong against him. Maybe maybe I was just expecting something uh, something else and I probably felt like disappointed or something i don't know that's just me generally this year when it comes to who's getting the spotlight in lij evil had his year in 2017 this year is very decidedly sonata good point good point he did uh beat okada that year uh for during the tournament run and he did get that headway championship uh shot 
not long afterwards. So that's fair. I'm guessing they're going to do the same exact thing again uh, with uh, Sonata this time. Yes, that is the main event of King of Pro Wrestling. Just basically, it's Sonata's turn right now. Okay. Actually, while we're on the subject, um, with a lot of the wins and losses that did come out of this tournament, um, what potential feuds do you see uh, happening uh, on the way to Wrestle Kingdom? Even, you know, with some of the... uh, other shows that are still along the way for the remainder of this uh, quarter. Well, okay. As it stands with Ibushi having won the tournament, he has defenses against evil and Kenta Mm -hmm. for the challengers contract for the Tokyo domain event, if you will. Now, I need to look up the destruction card and see if he is defending on one of those. I feel like he is, but I don't necessarily remember against two. Let's just see. And, um, while I've got the chance, um, I'll shout out Dart Vader underscore one on Instagram. Probably Whoa. the, yes, the best source of Japanese wrestling news and information you could look for. Always very quick to post results, news, and whatnot from not just New Japan, just from literally every Japanese wrestling promotion there is. I mean, well, most of the big ones. I've seen I've seen them cover NOAA, um, BJW. Of course, there's a plethora of New Japan. They will even cover when Japanese stars do stuff outside of Japan. So again, that's Vader underscore one on Instagram. Give them a follow to stay up to date on Japanese wrestling news. That said, Ibushi will be defending his contract against Kenta first. Ooh, that should be fun. Yeah, I'm seeing that here. Uh, I'm actually at the uh, New Japan uh, website. Kote Ibushi versus Kenta headlines huge destruction in Kagoshima card. So I guess that's going to be the uh, the match where he defends his uh, contract for the Wrestle Kingdom main event. I definitely expect it to be a very, very uh, strong showing on Kenta's ha- uh, behalf. I know now, that Kenta... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to quickly just quip, no joke. I hope neither one of them get hurt because they're both really good at getting hurt. Yeah, if recent news is uh, something to go by, Kenta's still a bit uh, rattled in the noggin after uh, facing Ishii in England and winning the uh, Never Open Weight title. Well, now that we've ruined Royal Quest for you, we'll talk about that next time. <laughs> oh, well. Again, recent stuff, man. If, if it happened, it happened. Um, but yeah, um, he's, somehow, he's apparently a bit rattled. I think he apparently got rattled somewhere mid-match and... Still, even afterwards, hopefully Kenta's doing better at this point. Um, to keep it brief, he suffered a concussion in his match with Ishii. And then the match continued on for another, I've heard, nine minutes after that. That's nine minutes too many. It is. Again, we we could speak about that on the next episode. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, okay, so we at least can see that Ibushi is going to be defending the uh, briefcase against uh, Kenta by then. Uh, who, what else do you see happening on the way to uh, Wrestle Kingdom? Well, I mean, most of what's set to happen 
on the road to Wrestle Kingdom is really already set for destruction or King of Pro Wrestling. Um, Juice is getting his rematch against Moxley for the U.S. Championship. Right. Um, Switchblade is challenging Naito for the Intercontinental Championship, and I gotta say, I would not be shocked to see a Switchblade win. Neither would I. Let's be real. Uh, as much as I love Naito and 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 everything that he's uh, been trying to do in the past year or so, his momentum is kind of at a standstill right now. And right now, they got to build up Switchblade a bit more. And they got to give uh, some more momentum to the Bullet Club with Kenta in there, and giving the and giving the de facto leader Switchblade the Intercontinental Championship. It will bolster his stock a bit more, I'd say. And um, actually, while we're on the subject of Switchblade, is it just? And, and I'm sure that we're both of the same mind about this. But his match at the finals against Ibushi, did that not finally put the nail in the coffin of his detractors when it comes to his abilities? as a main event player in the New Japan landscape. It most certainly did. Like, just even before the bell rang, just how the crowd rained those boos on him. He's, for too long now, he's drawn comparisons to former Bullet Club leader Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. This match against Ibushi, in my opinion, put that to rest. He's his own Bullet Club leader. And he's uh, actually doing really good at it. Better than absolutely. Omega did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, everybody can... If anybody can clearly tell, uh, each of the Bullet Club eras were each defined by very particular uh, personality archetypes, you could say. The, ruthless, the ruthlessness of Devitt, the... Um, I guess you could say... Not even the really brutality, but... Um, Star power. The st- yeah, star power with uh, AJ Styles. Um, the more uh, um, anti-heroism of uh, Omega and pretty much coming once again full circle with, in, in a sense of uh, ruthlessness with uh, Switchblade. A more focused ruthlessness. D- yeah, definitely not as, not as chaotic, even though the chaos is definitely there, for lack of a better term. Uh, ha, 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 chaos. At least um, someone's bringing chaos. <laughs> yeah, but um, absolutely. Uh, without without much question, uh, Jay White is definitely turning heads. I think in 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 the best way uh, for himself and for the direction of Bullet Club as it is. I think he's doing a fantastic job, and for his age. I think he's definitely showing strides and improvement in strides in terms of his character motivations and and uh, character evolution. So uh, should the time come again where he becomes uh, heavyweight champion, or I guess even for now intercontinental champion to sort of you know build stock towards a heavyweight title win again later on down the line, which I feel like is probably going to happen down the line because if they give it to him once and you know, his dedication is there. I see no reason why he doesn't become a two-time champion later on. But yes, the sky's the ceiling for him. The, the sky is the limit. Oof, the sky's the ceiling. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I noticed. Yeah, sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, let's see. Okay, so um, to keep things within a uh, brief, within, within a sense of brevity here, since we're not trying to talk people's ears off, what do you think 
uh, from the tournament were your top three favorite matches. Not even top three in terms of like you know order or whatever. Just the three that really uh, spoke to you, really that you really enjoyed. Oh yeah, this is a G1 aftermath show, isn't it? I almost forgot. <laughs> but anyway, three matches, no particular order. <laughs> I'm going to say because we have not mentioned his name yet. Somehow, Will right. Osprey versus Kota Ibushi. Okay. Abs- absolute banger. Yeah. I'm going to say Sonata versus Okada because the drama that match brought was just astounding. Okay, that's a good one. And because I'm greedy, any Shingo Takagi match. Fuck. Well, that's not even entirely fair, but I'll give that I'll give you that anyway cuz Kazani Nasan uh, <laughs> but that's um, just how great a tournament Takagi had. No, I know for sure. And, and and it's a good thing that you actually brought it up because absolutely Takagi really proved that he could uh do the heavyweight thing as he was initially supposed to do. It just, you know, it, it just took placing him in the G1 to really prove that stuff. Right. I mean, the guy had for those who Swear by Meltzerism, he had two five-star matches in this tournament. And that's after his five-star match with Osprey from Best of the Super Junior Final. Which wasn't too far away, by the way, as far as the start of the tournament and the end of the Best of Super Juniors. Right, right. So to go from one grueling tournament to another and perform at just as well a level, Shingo Takagi is someone to watch absolutely solid mvp of the new japan roster for 2019 i would say and that's in and that's with will osprey's run of activity this year because again tournament monster true tournament monster all the tournaments absolutely every single one so far and 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 pulling out all the stops each time osprey does but undoubtedly takagi won things over uh, for sure if not in his numbers than at the very least in his performances. Yeah, Shingo Takagi, just every match he's been in has been exciting. And just now that he's a heavyweight, oh, it's only going to get better from here. <laughs> Without a question, sir. As far as favorites for me, oh, man. Uh, I did mention Osprey versus uh, ZSJ earlier on. I will include that in my listing for that. Um, it, I, admittedly, I was very much high on Will Ospreay matches for a great majority of the tournament. And I was very excited for a lot of them, and they did not disappoint. Um, if I had to pick two other ones, God, it's hard to say. I'm kind of scrolling through the uh, match listings once again just to That's jog my memory. That's how many good matches there were in this tournament, so I don't blame you. Yeah, so you got to bear with me just a slight bit, but I'll, I'll do my best to not like drag it down. Um, actually, no, another good one. Uh, so aside, so, so so ZSJ and Will Ospreay is one of them. Ishii versus Moxley was fan fucking tastic. Have you match- ever seen? Have you ever seen a fridge do a moonsault or like a body splash? Exactly, which is exactly why. Anybody with a brainstem needs to watch Ishii versus Moxley. Ishii is not a high-flying guy. He pulled out a fucking body slam, top rope turnbuckle, top turnbuckle body slam onto Moxley onto a table. He doesn't do that. That's the most un-Ishii sentence ever, but that's what happened. 
and it's like, oh my god, oh man, and and, th- and those guys were tearing into each other even earlier on without the tables, so it was already nuts in and of itself. Yes, yeah, so Death Taxes and Tomohiro Ishii's an incredible wrestler. Absolutely. See, it goes without saying. That's mm, that's a science at this point. Ishii is the is one of the most perfect examples of perfect pro wrestler out there. He's the uh, coconut oil of New Japan. That's all. <laughs> oh man, someone needs to pay you to to make more of these uh, zingers, man. <laughs> but uh, if I had to pick a third one, again, it's a difficult choice, man. Um, but um, fine, I I guess I will be kind of greedy too. If you're gonna say any given uh, Takagi match, I will go with any given uh, Juice Robinson match that what that happened. And if I'm gonna lean in one particular one match. I'll say uh, Juice v. Moxley 2. Quite fair. Yeah. Um, it Aside from the fact that it was a fantastic redemption story and a good close to that redemption story, that match in particular was probably the strongest culmination of Juice's evolution throughout the tournament timeline. He started off, you know... Still with that very heavy chip on his shoulder after losing the uh, U.S. championship to Moxley and, you know, with that scar over his eyebrow and his demeanor throughout the entire thing is all business, um, well, mostly business outlook throughout the whole thing. Because when he had his match with Naito, he was, of course, trying to match wits with him early on and, you know, with the, with the uh, multi-layer T-shirts bit that he did. Uh, I got him and I laughed hard at that. Yeah, that's that was pretty funny actually. <laughs> I enjoyed that quite a bit. But at the but that again, that's another good example of Juice being a competitor, matching psychologically the wits of his opponents and, you know, if not winning, then at least getting under their skin somehow and 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 coming out of it with some new skill set or something. And his match against Moxley I feel was the best place to show that juice, you know, took his beatings, took his brunts, went up the chain and, you know, got what he needed. You know, the, he, 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 you could say that he got the childish rage out because I look at it. I look at his loss against Moxley as, you know, the beginning of the wake up that, of the wake up that he needed. Um, because I agree. Yeah. He cut his dreads. When he faced Moxley the first time. R.I.P. Juice's dreads. I'm still crying over that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, he, do, he, he pulled him off quite well. Let's, let's, let's not lie. He pulled him off quite well. Um, but you could equate Juice's uh, dread cuts and his um, performance against Moxley that first night as him still as, as him trying to be in a new element, but not being there. He needed to get some stuff out of his system before he could face Moxley at the proper level and facing the uh, remnants of the uh, B block uh, where he was and beating, you know, facing guys like Ishii uh, revisiting his old nemesis, Jay White. Yeah. Like Jay White. Exactly. I was just about to say, I was missing the name at this point. Uh, But yeah. And hell, him facing off to, against Takagi, if we're going to be uh, real blunt, that match is also really good, too. 
I didn't expect Juice to get the win. At all. Yeah, At no, all. no. No one saw that coming. That was a really good turnout for him. But basically, he got the he, he got the bad stuff out of his system, the unnecessary stuff, and he probably learned a few things along the way to get to Moxley and beat him at his and beat him uh at a good mental level. And this meat grinder of a tournament was the best way to bring that out of uh, Juice. And it was a very good thing to see. Exactly. It was like a comeback hit story for Juice in this G1. And he, it was very well executed. I can't say it enough. Without a question. And he had both guns available to, to do it. Pew, pew. But uh, yeah. I think that will probably do it for this episode, unless uh, there are some other thoughts that you wanted to express real quick regarding the tournament and the future of it uh, heading into the latter part of the year. I mean, right now, it's really tough to even imagine what G1 Climax 30 is going to look like. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it, you just can't see it. Fair, fair, fair enough. I mean, the talent that they've got going on right now and... Uh, uh, the way that a lot of the uh, current roster has changed up in, a f- in, in, in in the ways that they have, you know, Juice with his mean streak, uh, Jay becoming a much better villain, Taichi's uh, presentation in this year's tournament. Uh, imagine if he comes back again and, and you know, take, take things just a bit more seriously now that he got it out of his system this time. The possibilities, man. There, and yeah, hell, there's, yeah. Hell, the... um. If they include at least one young lion or something, shooter, I'm putting, I'm pushing I mean, for shooter. If, if he's still around by this time next year, I'd love to see it. Shit, you're right. He probably could end up in excursion if, if, uh, if things uh, go the way that they go. Um, but then again, I mean, right now or coming soon is going to be the young lion cup, and that is actually ongoing. All right. So. Um, that's going to be an interesting thing to follow, which, for the record, we will be covering that and Super Jacob and Royal Quest in the next uh, episode uh, when we have the chance. Uh, but yes, the year is look has been looking quite good for New Japan uh, this time around, and I can only imagine how things are going to keep going, but I honestly see nowhere else to go but up. Yeah, we're on the road to Wrestle Kingdom, and oh, quite a road it's going to be. Without question. Uh, so um, I guess that will do it for tonight, ladies and gents. Thank you very much for lending your ears to our uh, to our back and forth about the wonderful, wonderful offerings of New Japan Pro Wrestling and uh, other stuff in between. When we'll do this again, I don't know, but please keep your ears and eyes open. Uh, please subscribe to Ruben Prime TV where you'll find more of the hardcore strong style coalition podcast uh, down the pipes uh, in the near future. Uh, hopefully if uh, the stars align the way that they have, uh, at least for today. Um, but yes, thank you Heracles for joining in and uh, letting the world know just how awesome the G1 is. Of course, we'll try to do this again. Uh, maybe not take a month next time. Maybe let's say, I don't know, two weeks at least. Maybe yeah, we'll uh yeah we'll, we'll try to be a bit more uh streamlined with that. So apologies for the for, for the long wait. If anybody was uh waiting that long, uh we appreciate your patronage and we appreciate your patience. So please uh 
don't stray too far away. We'll do our best to continue the coverage in a more um, consistent manner, uh, you know, time willing. Absolutely. Uh, Follow us on Spotify, I guess, wherever else Ruben Prime TV pops up. Just search Ruben Prime TV. Give them a follow. You'll see when we go live. It'll be a good time. I promise. For sure. Uh, it's on Twitter. It's on Instagram, Spotify. You did mention, I believe we're on. Uh, yes, we're on SoundCloud and I think we're on iTunes as well. I forget exactly, but um, just find us on any of those platforms that I mentioned. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff aside from us here at the HSC podcast. You know, uh, there's a Ruben Rome connection for the uh, for, for Western promotions that are covered. Right. Yep. And uh, and various other uh, topics that are done uh, with Ruben Prime TV. But yes, uh, th- that'll be it for tonight. Thank you once again, Heracles. This has also been Cosmic Kaiser 6. And uh, we'll uh, do this again next time. Cheers, everybody. Oh! Oh! Why am I you?